A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, which means that adult language is probably going to be present, just so you know. Hey, Sam Altus here, host of A Better Story Podcast. If you've had a hard time finding space in church, but you just can't shake that part of you that really likes Jesus, this is your podcast. We explore the things in life that lead us into living with more love, justice, and wholeness, and into better stories. Sometimes we look at stories from the Bible and see where they take us when we let them be surprising and subversive. And sometimes we talk to really interesting people like Will Gaffney, Shane Claiborne, Frank Schaefer, and Lisa Sharon Harper about their lives and the things that have led them into better stories. So if you're looking for a wider, more spacious view of faith, check it out at abetterstorypodcast.com, in the Apple Podcast app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, you're listening to A Tiny Revolution, a podcast featuring ordinary people living revolutionary lives. My name is Kevin Garcia, and welcome to episode 49. Thank you so much to all the great feedback from Black History Month um, episodes. Those Encore episodes are some of my favorite conversations that I've ever had and been incredibly illuminating for me. And for me, it's kind of like going back and rereading the same book. It's like you get something different every single time. So feel free to go through any of the old interviews I've got here on A Tiny Revolution. You may find something that might just spark uh, something new in you. And that's what we were hoping to do here, right? A little spark of revolution. Anyways, uh, just so you know, I'm going to be in Chicago next month so this is like the first uh week in march right i'm going to be in chicago the first week in april for the reformation project leadership development cohort i'm going to be working with them and additionally on friday night april 6th we're going to be doing a uh, a public event like we always do a night of worship a night of testimony and storytelling and good preaching from some progressive and queer perspectives some of those being the same thing <laughs> So go ahead and check that out. And then also the week following that on April 12th through the 14th, I'm going to be in Philadelphia for the Q Christian Youth Retreat, the first ever. So you need to go to qchristian.org, get the information for that. So if you're a youth out there, so like high schoolish age, um, we want you there. I want to hang out with you. I want to get to know you. I want to hear about your hopes, your dreams, your fears, all the things. So why don't you go over to qchristian.org, get those tickets, get registered, and I'll see you in Philly. And now for today's guest, I am talking with my awesome and like she's so she's so gorgeous, you guys. I literally don't know if I just want to smooch her on the face or I want to look like her. She's just so gorgeous. Okay, so anyways, now that I'm done gushing, Anna Skates is my guest today. She's an advocate for children and families, an author and illustrator and former children's pastor in Columbia, Tennessee. Her career path is winding and varied from uh, serving as like a child care provider and owning and operating an online stationery business to working as a children's librarian and spending her summers leading music at youth camps across the country. One thing that binds this journey together, however, is a love for children and families. She served as a children's pastor for four years in Nashville, Tennessee, and is now the co-founder of Imaginarium, a fresh expression of community in Nashville. She is an observer, a peacemaker, and a gentle leader. And it acts as calming and consistent presence, but can be a roaring champion for justice when times call for action. She always seeks understanding and peace. Her driving motivation specifically when it comes to children is to help communities and families see children as full people. Not merely not merely like the future or just like little people, but a very real part of our present reality. She is passionate about walking alongside children as they find their place in the world and as they seek to be understood and loved just as we all do. Driven by a sense of inherent goodness in the universe, she creates, inspires, and she draws others into that same path of goodness. Um, so yeah, she's such an incredible human. I've really enjoyed getting to know her since I met her at Wild Goose a couple years ago, and I know that you're going to love this conversation. Uh, while we're talking, um, we're going to be covering things like um, divorce, even when you're in a Christian community. We're going to talk about her love for children and why she's so drawn to that, and like what children can teach us about the future. We talk about sex, we talk about gender, we talk about queer stuff, we talk about all the things, as per usual, because this is a revolutionary conversation. All right, friends, uh, grab something you like, grab a friend, pull them in the room, sit down, listen up. This is my friend, Anna Skates. So my name is Anna Skates. Um, I have 
been and done a lot of things in my life. Um, a lot of my work has revolved around kids in different contexts. So I've been a children's pastor. I've been a children's librarian. I've been a preschool teacher. I've, um, I've found myself in a lot of different spaces, but um, typically with kids. Those are, I always say kids are my people. Um, so I love, love, love doing work with um, kids. And um, yeah, that's kind of my, my heart. Um, I'm originally from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, a suburb of Birmingham. I actually didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Um, I say Birmingham because nobody else knows where Pleasant Grove, Alabama is, but that's hmm. where I'm specifically from. Um, yeah. So Alabama born and raised. Um, I moved up here for college and then bounced around and landed back here about seven years ago. So, um, here being the Nashville area. Um, and so, yeah, so right now I am doing a few, um, different things. I'm, I have a, like a day job that makes me money. Um, don't we all, don't we all, <laughs> that is not what we're talking about, but, um, the things that I'm really doing that I'm loving doing, um, I'm working with, um, my pal, Melissa Green, um, trying to, um, really kickstart and build, um, a community that we're calling Imaginarium. And, um, that's all about sort of providing, ultimately providing solid, profound community for people who find themselves outside of institutions like churches or schools where community is kind of built in. Um, we really wanted to, provide something for specifically for those kinds of people who still long for community, um, even though they may be done with these various institutions. Um, and so that's what we're, that's what we're doing. And I'm trying to focus really on families and kids. And, and she, of course, is her heart is adults and, and young adults. And so um, that's kind of what we're doing. And then I'm doing some other little projects on the side, specifically around kids and, some fun writing projects and um yeah so there's a lot going on <laughs> yeah so what so what aren't you doing that's the real question <laughs> what am I not doing <laughs> um I'm not being terribly productive at cleaning my house right now so Girl. my house is a wreck so there's that <laughs> yeah welcome to life uh right yeah. now yeah. yeah yeah I totally I totally get that my uh it's I think the thing that I that you said that just resonated the most with me is like I have a day job yeah and gosh, like how, like, I think what's very interesting, like, um, kind of like being an internet person, people assume that this is the thing that pays my That's bills right. and, I, and I can just exist and like go to all these fun conferences and like, run I mean, around. that'd be great. I mean, Lord, you know, Lord, if it be that will come through, <laughs> you know, we're trying to make the dream work. Um, That's right. Yeah. And it's also like not a shameful thing to also have a day job either, I think. Oh, no. I mean, I think I think there are more people than we realize who are in that kind of situation. We just don't like to talk about it because that's not the glamorous part of right. what we do or really like even necessarily the life giving part of what we do. So, yeah. Um, so, do, yeah. Do you mind if I ask what your day job is? No, not at all. Um, so I'm currently working as a. Um, an assistant slash special events coordinator or projects coordinator for Museum of the Bible. Cute. Um, yeah, cute. <laughs> oh, I didn't, I didn't mean that in a condescending way, by no, the way. No, but no, I literally I was like, oh, yeah, cute. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I know. No, it's great. So, um, yeah, that's that's my that's my day job. That's dope. Yeah. Okay, so I, uh, you know, internet stalking you a little bit. Oh, sure. Um, things that I uh, didn't know before stalking you a little bit. You actually have... Uh, two masters. Um, I well, yeah, a masters and a half. <laughs> a masters and a half. What was the what was the half that didn't get done? I haven't finished my um, my masters of theological studies from Vanderbilt. Okay, is that in process? Um, yeah, yeah. So um, the church was paying for the church where I was working was paying for that program as part of my kind of ordination process, and so mm. um, when I left that obviously the money for my <laughs> my education went away, which is fine. Um, so I'm currently on leave, um, on academic leave, um, last semester in the semester. So I want to finish it so mm -hmm. badly, even though I'm not necessarily in a church environment anymore. 
Mm-hmm. Um, those conversations are really fun for me to have. So I'd love to go back at some point, but I'm halfway done with it. Yeah. So, yeah. Neato. Okay. Well, I do have a, I do have a question for you. Um, specifically kind of around, um, just like your, your journey. Cause I know that you started off as a children's minister in like a typical church environment. And then from that, you kind of, uh, you know, moved into a different space. And then I think it was like last, last summer at wild goose, like I saw you and your posse running around, handing out like imaginary and pins and, and glow sticks and whatnot. And I was just fascinated by this, (laughs) this idea of a different kind of, of spiritual community. So how did imaginarium come to be, uh, you know, where did you guys get the idea and, you know, just kind of riff on that a little bit if you want to. Yeah, sure. So, Imaginarium. Let's see. Where do you even start with? I know it's like such a broad question. <laughs> no, it's great. It's just a. It's an interesting story. So, um, Imaginarium was was really Melissa's kind of brainchild, and a lot of it came out of conversations that we were having while we both worked at the church um, with people who'd left the church, um, and a lot of them. Some people had left because the church was real, like super progressive in a lot of ways, specifically theologically, we were talking about stuff that you're quote unquote, not supposed to talk about in church Um, and really broadening, broadening those conversations in a way that made some people feel really uncomfortable, which is, which is completely fair. So a lot of people who left for theological reasons, but they were still showing up to community things. Like they were still showing up to people's houses to eat dinners and they were still showing up to like, help me rock babies for an Easter service. And they, mm. so there, there was this interesting sort of um, this interesting sort of element of people not wanting to associate theologically with the church, but still wanting to associate communally with the church. Mm. And so we, she and I started having conversations about what it might look like to, to sort of take these really beautiful communal elements of church um but build something outside of that institution that was much more welcoming and inclusive of people who didn't necessarily need a church space in their life, whether that's because they already had one or whether that's because they're just sort of done with that. Um, or they're in some phase of life where they just don't want to have anything to do with church for whatever reason. Um, and we started finding that there are a lot of people in that position, right? There are a lot of people who, um, are sort of, are sort of done with institutionalized religion. Yet when you leave that kind of a space, the thing that, another thing that you leave behind besides the dogma and the theology is, is a community. And, um, and in this sort of day and age, that's such a rare and beautiful thing to find. And so, um, so we really wanted to, to sort of build something out of that, that was, trans-religious um and that was more like humanistic um in philosophy i guess you could say so that's sort of where it was born out of honestly was our church experience and was watching people really struggle with how to how to maintain a sense of community without being directly attached to the church um and and really wanting to to be able to sort of dig into that with people and really provide that so that's uh, that's sort of where it all started. And, and so kind of by the end of last summer, the end of last summer is when I was transitioning out of my church job and Melissa had already had already left. And so we had really started to sort of shape and form Imaginarium as a as a thing, as a as a nonprofit, as an organization. And so we thought, gosh, wild goose people are people, man. <laughs> we're yeah, like, yeah. going to pass out some glow sticks and we're going to just, we're just going to do this up and let people know that we're here. Um, and so it was a really strange, um, but wonderful experience to kind of be there repping that, um, as opposed to the church specifically. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. On top of that, getting tattoos and a cabin in the back of the woods. Oh my gosh. That is. I was weirdly nervous, but very peaceful about that. Yeah. Did you get one? I did. It turned out great. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. I think, 
I can't remember who was in. The, was it me and Aaron who were in the in the cabin together at the same time? Yeah, because I think I mine finished up way faster than her. We were in there together at one point, and then I finished up really early, so I had to leave. And then I think you were up next. And yeah, so, and then I went and yeah. got my little diamond tattoo. Oh, I love it. Do you like yours? Are you happy with yours? Oh, I love it. I think the placement is brilliant. Um, healed up really nicely. It's like yeah. One thing I've been. It, and this has been interesting for me, which is like learning how to date as a as a post evangelical. Oh man! Oh my god! What uh, a trip! I'm just staying out of the dating world altogether. Oh, just, you, are you going? I can't. You going on that that celibate life right now? I'm going on that celibate life right now. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's been a long time since I've dated. Obviously, because I was married for six years and then. Mm-hmm. dated my ex-husband for four years before that so it's literally been 10 years since i've dated <laughs> things are real different and yeah. i don't love it yeah things are different now i if you need any yeah. tips so like, i take it you haven't been like on the dating apps or anything like that or go out no and... i haven't i i haven't i like started a bumble profile but then i just left it private so <laughs> so no just... one can actually see it right so it's there but um, until I'm ready to like, I don't know, get into that whole scene. I'm just going to yeah. leave it that way. But that's real life. I think it's valid. I think too many times, like we, like we push ourselves. I think also, especially like in like church, like church, uh, culture sometimes teaches us that you're only as valuable as your relationships to uh, us sometimes. Yes. Oh, I, holy moly. Yeah. I could talk forever about all of that and divorce in the church it's all just good grief it's ridiculous i mean if you want to riff on that feel free like you know this this is your time oh my goodness um no i guess like i i had an interesting sort of divorce experience because um i was with this person for almost 10 years and um we were completely incompatible i think Mm all along really but um but like nothing crazy happened in the marriage like nobody was physically abused like nobody had an affair like it wasn't anything like that um but it was my call which was real that was the hard part for me it was just saying hey i want out of this Mm. um not for any like obvious like embodied reason other than like i'm really unhappy and like this is not a life-giving relationship for me and we're not compatible people together. And like, that was like, even my mom, who's wonderful and loves me dearly, you know, was like, I get it. And I so want you to be happy. And I can see that you're not. But also, like, I just really believe that, you know, marriage is this God ordained thing that you Mm. really like shouldn't walk away from unless, of course, there's an affair or you're being abused. And I'm like, gosh that's so fucked up (laughs) right yeah that's crazy that you know and it's it's interesting i was thinking about this earlier like the only valid reasons in a lot of at least i can only speak really from like christian traditions because that's my upbringing but yeah right but the only valid reasons to leave a marriage are things that are evidenced in the body which of course like growing up pre-marriage is like breeding ground for sin right your body is like this terrible Terrible sexual thing that you oh yeah like deny deny the flesh blah 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 all this yeah and don't figure Um, out what you actually love or like uh, or you know what's good for you until you put a ring on it honey that's right that's right and then the only reason the only valid reasons for leaving that union where all of a sudden your body is okay is if your body becomes not okay again and it's either a physical affair or you're being physically abused Mm -hmm. like it has to be some like evidenced physically in your body and and i don't know anyway so it was just a that was an interesting um sort of moment that i came to of saying this is, this has to be enough of a reason. Like Mm -hmm. my happiness has to be enough of a reason, um, at this point. And 
but it took me six years to do like, it took me a long time to come to a place to validate my own like sense of happiness and well-being. Like it took me a long time to come to a place of saying, no, you know what? That's, that's actually a perfectly valid reason to get out of this. Like that's actually okay. Um, did your, um, did any of, uh, these feelings of like being okay with like the fact that you needed to walk away from your marriage, did that come also with, uh, kind of like a spiritual awakening for you and, you know, kind of like, you know, I hate using the word deconstruction because it gets like thrown around so much these days, but did it come like at a time in your life when you started to really start to question like, all of the things. No, I actually think it was the result of all of that. So mm. like I had already done at least as far as my um, sort of theology goes and my beliefs go, I did a lot of quote unquote deconstructing in college. So I was a religion major at Belmont here in Nashville, um, which was switching my major from music to religion was one of the best things I've ever done for myself. Um, Cause I really started to dig into all of these sort of, preconceived notions of who or what God is and what this particular piece of theology actually means and the implications of that. Like I wasn't doing any of that prior to college. And so I was sort of given this really beautiful context of the Academy to do that in. And it was a really profound experience. So I didn't have like a, a really horrible, um, you know, sad sort of deconstruct experience as far as religion goes um it was held up really nicely by the academy like I had something to fall back on um better ways of thinking or newer ways of thinking etc etc but um so I'd done a lot of that prior to this experience um and then I when I got this church job that church job for all of the chaos and craziness and the, the sadness at the end of it was really profound for me. Um, and Mm -hmm. it was kind of in those four and a half years that I was working there that I really found my voice. Um, so I'm an Enneagram nine. So that's, yeah, yeah. The peacemakers. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Yes. Yes. Um, so finding my voice and recognizing that I have things to say and, and being given a platform on which to say those things and being given a whole program of kids and families that was mine to run and to, to oversee, like that was a huge, huge game changer for me. Um, and so I think in that span of those four and a half years when I was working there, um, I really found myself in a lot of ways. Um, some of my beliefs started to shift while I was there, but also just me as a human, like I started to really figure myself out and, and, and give voice to my, my thoughts and my passions and all these things. And, and so really, I think me naming, Hey, this is not a relationship that I need to keep in my life. Um, I think that was just a result of all of this work, internal work that had been done. Um, thanks to all these like really beautiful structures and systems that I was part of that, that helped me kind of along that journey. Um, but what's interesting is after all that happened, um, after I filed for divorce, I went home last year at some point, And I think it was for a funeral. Like I was going home for a family member's funeral last year, middle of last year. And um, my family told my sister, my sister told me this later, that my family was talking after I'd driven back up here. She stayed behind and was talking to some of them. And they said, um, I haven't seen Anna look that light and that happy in a very long time. Mm. And I was there for a funeral. And it's not like I came in like throwing glitter around. Like I was sad just like everyone else was. Mm -hmm. But still in the midst of that, there was something about that weight being lifted that was evident. Mm -hmm. Like you could see it somehow. I don't know what they were seeing exactly, but I know I feel it. Um so yeah, I think just this whole last specifically like year and a half has been just a pivotal time of me finding myself and yeah. knowing myself and um and loving myself, like learning to respect myself and love myself and mm-hmm. What's been the most yeah. interesting thing that you've learned about yourself? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> um 
Okay, let me think. The most interesting thing I've learned about myself. Oh, boy. That's a big one. I know. You yeah, well, I'm trying to think of, like, something specific, like, anecdotal, but I've got nothing. But I guess in general, um, I just tend to be – I have tended in the past to be afraid to just make choices – for myself because I'm worried about how they'll affect other people. And obviously mm, like yeah. when you're married and sharing a home with someone, like every little thing you do impacts the other person that you're sharing space with. And so I think, um, being like having a home to myself, right. Literally, like I don't have roommates. I don't, I'm not married. I, I'm not living with anyone, not partnered. I own this space that I live in and I'm, I've found myself like, even here being afraid to make choices hmm. as if they're going to affect anybody else but me. And so um, I've started, I've noticed that about myself, especially in the last year. Um, and, and so when I find myself in those moments and I'm able to push past it and say, just make a choice, like just, yeah, just do something like you have this great idea or you have this thing you really want to do, just go do it. Yeah, I wonder um, if that, I wonder if that's like an Enneagram nine thing, because oh, typically like nines sure. like um, you know like uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but typically it's like the way that it's always phrased is to me phrased to me and uh, folks who have like Enneagram talk is that they can see the world through everybody's eyes except yes. for their own. Yes, and so like you saying that being in your own space on your own, not being able to make choices just on your own. Yeah. Um, I guess that's just like a that's, a, that's a growth point for, for certain people. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. For a nine, especially like, and I think that's part of indecision too. Like I know Suzanne Stabile always says like they'll nines will have like a million things spread out on a table and they will stand there for hours trying to figure out where to start. Like, <clears throat> like they have a hard time prioritizing things. And um, I think part of that is just like, that sense of self-empowerment is just so lacking in most, in a lot of nines. Um, and yeah, it's a, that's a growth point for sure. So, um, it, it all plays into it. Like the not being able to hear anybody else's or not being able to hear your own voice, but being able to merge and hear everybody else's somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that's a huge, huge, huge component. Um, I think yeah. it's, um, my best friend in the whole world is a nine and mm -hmm. I often, I think I sometimes like lack, uh, well also just because like, I think I'm, I'm an Enneagram eight uh, okay. with a seven wing. And so I always yeah. think I'm right. And I always have a decision ready to go. <laughs> and so yep. it's my, um, and I just, I, I guess this is like the growth point for me is like realizing like, Oh, you know, maybe somebody else has a good idea. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Which sure. is, like, this is like, how could anybody else have a good idea? Like, yeah. like the back of my no. mind. 100%. Well, and so imagine, so I'm a nine with a, I've always had a, a pretty strong one wing, although I think I'm sort of flipping over into a phase of life where I'm getting more into my eight wing, but, mm -hmm. um, but I was married to an eight with a seven wing, very oh, strong seven. Wing. Oh, interesting. And so I was constantly questioning my own voice and my own opinions and my own choices because not, not necessarily because he did anything directly to make me feel that way, but just that those were the two energies in the, in yeah. the house. It was rough. Yeah. Man. I can imagine. Rough. Gosh. Yeah. It was a lot, but you know, it's, it's fine. We live and learn. Um, and, and I, I love, man, I love having people with, eight and seven tendencies in my life because they just push me so far out of like my sense of complacency, which I'm like totally fine to just live in, mm -hmm. you know, um, in an average sort of state. So, um, I love having those people like Melissa's an eight. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah. So Melissa's an eight, which is, I work really well with eights and with sevens. Um, because, well, with sevens, because I'm totally fine to be the – like, not that sevens aren't responsible, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, I'm fine to be, like, the bookkeeper and the list maker and the, the organizational person. I'm We're totally saying, fine to be the background. It's not strong suit, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I love working with eights because eights are just the most wonderful, like, champions for underdogs and for people who, like – 
have a hard time like finding their voice um, and standing up for themselves and whatever. So Melissa has been a really great, not just work uh, coworker, but a really great friend in that way um, to say like, no, say it. Like, I see you wanting to say something, say it Mm. like, it's fine. Like this is, this is your space just as much as mine. Like, so that's been, um, that's been really great being married to an eight is a different story for me altogether, but ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the road back to you, uh, a new season. (laughs) (laughs) We are revamping this, uh, starring Kevin Garcia and Anna skates switching gears ever so Mm -hmm. slightly. Um, I want to talk about your love of kids and, and, uh, children's content. Um, I think when I met you, like that was one of the first things you mentioned that you were a children's pastor and it probably, Mm -hmm. and I, it was really, I, I guess it surprised me just because I'd never really met a children's pastor who was as cool as you. I, (laughs) I always met like when in my mind's eye, when I think, Oh, children's pastor, it's someone who's like, um, maybe not as cool looking. I don't know. Thank you. But, yeah, because like you're super hip and just like you're not, I don't know what I imagine children's pastor to be. So, um, how did you get into children's ministry work and creating content for kids that helps them connect with, you know, their deeper self and all that good stuff? Yeah. Well, so my, like I said, I've worked with kids a lot in my life, even before being a children's pastor. Um, so, I was actually on the hunt for a children's librarian job um, when mm. I got the church job because um, that's what, that's my other master's is a library science degree. So, so I, fact, I really – I was a librarian in the seventh grade for my school library. Oh, my gosh. That's so fun. And so let me tell you what. The Dewey Decimal System is my bitch. Yeah. <laughs> your bitch. Yes. It's the most fun. Listen, that was – best job outside of being a children's pastor that was the best job I've ever had Mm -hmm. it was so fun um so anyway I was kind of on the hunt for a children's librarian job but was going was attending the church where I started working eventually and I was volunteering with the kids because duh and As um, as you do and I was approached by the pastor randomly one Sunday and um after church and he said hey we're looking to hire an assistant director of children's ministries. I think you should apply. Huh? That's how it happened. Literally drops in your lap, literally dropped in my lap. And, um, and I'm telling you, like it was the most perfect job for me in Mm. all the ways. Like I just, I mean, that was my place. Like it was so great. Um, so yeah, it fell into my lap and, and, over the course of a couple of years of being there through a series of unfortunate events, um, my f- former boss, like the, the director of children's ministries left. And then I was, I was doing it by myself, like mm. sort of out of necessity, but it was really, really fun and really great. And, um, so as far as, gosh, okay. As far as, developing content for kids, I started writing curriculum for the classrooms, for the Sunday school classrooms at the church, um, the last, uh, year and a couple months that I was there. And it started out just being an Advent module. Like I was just going to write a series of Advent lessons because that was actually something that my predecessor had really wanted to do and just, Mm. we could never make it happen. So I was like, you know what, dang it, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And, um, after, you know, six or seven months of having the program to myself, um, without her, I decided to like really put my mark on it in that way, but also like honor her and do this thing we talked about. And I had so much fun writing those lessons. I can't even tell you. Yeah. First of all, like developing content for kids basically means you spend all day, every day, just going down Pinterest rabbit holes. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That, sounds, like, that honestly sounds like my dream though. I, oh, it's, it was great. I loved it. Um, but it was, so what was interesting though about it and the bit, the biggest challenge for me, um, and I think to anybody who really spends time to be thoughtful about content given to kids, the challenge was in a church setting was that I found myself like I would write out these sort of like typical Christian phrases or like Mm -hmm. use 
Christianese as we like to call it. Um, and I would step back and realize like, they don't know what that means. Hmm. Like they, they don't have this context that we have, that we've grown up hearing all this stuff all of our lives. Some of which is like really shady, um, hmm. and problematic. Um, like just throwing have, out these phrases, um, like, do you like any examples? Um, yeah. Like Jesus died for your sins. Hmm. Like start to break that down and think about what that might tell a child. Like, you are a cause of the, like, you are you part a cause of the, of the reason death. why Jesus died. Like, how fucked up is that to say to a five-year-old? <laughs> like, you uh, can't say that to a child. Like, it just blew, it started to blow my mind, like, how many things the church, capital C, um, tells kids and says to kids without even thinking about the ramifications of some of the things that we put out there for them. Mm. Um and I, when I started like really looking at curriculum, like outside curriculum, aside from what I was writing, I started to see this pattern of like, oh, what we've been doing for years and years and years with kids in the church is giving them really complex narratives that were not written for them. Let's be honest. Right. Um, of course. Really complex, ancient literature, putting some like cartoons to it slapping on a craft in a game and calling it appropriate for kids. Like, hmm. and it's not like it's, oh yeah. man. Anyway. And it just, I just started to see this everywhere. Like it's everywhere. And it's not only like, to me, that's extremely disrespectful to the kids, like as people right? and where they are developmentally, like, hang on, that's, that's not a burden they need to carry right now in their five-year-old body. Like they don't need to, hear the phrase Jesus died for your sins yeah. right now. They don't need to carry the weight of substitutionary atonement theory like, on them. Grief. Yeah. Aside from just like me thinking that that's bullshit, but of course, same, 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 <laughs> but yeah, like, um, it, it's also a really poor handling of like, uh, ancient religious text. also mm. like to just, to just start to like water it down and put kid language on it. And still assume that like that that's fine and that that's a, an appropriate way to deal with biblical text. It's not. Mm -hmm. um, like that shit is complex, um, and it was it was really intricately put together, and and it's it deals with some really really big stuff. And to just like pare it down like that is is just kind of an unfortunate way to handle handle that text. But anyway, all that to say. Um, I started using a lot of children's literature in my lessons. Um, I just stopped kind of defaulting to using the Bible for a tool to teach them about how beautiful life is and how to love themselves and love others and find God or the divine, whatever you want to call it, in all things and all people. Because that's really hard for a kid to understand from a story about, you know, a woman who was like a hundred years old and all of a sudden got pregnant because god fulfilled some promise you know what i mean like wh yeah, how's a kid gonna s <laughs> i mean because like kids don't even really have a concept of age like you look at a four-year-old and say how old do you think i am they look at me and say i think you're 62 exactly and i'm just like oh okay uh, right yeah so i just took a step back and i said okay hang on i want to do i want to do right by these kids like i want to give them content that is so thought like so thoughtful and and so um and I want to use the best tools possible to do that. Like, I want to use the best tools I've got. What are the best tools for kids when it comes to story and narrative? Well, probably children's literature. Hmm, <laughs> so what a I, concept. What a concept. So I found myself every week, like, in the children's department of the library, like, thumbing through these really beautiful books and stories that are about kids and that are for kids. Mm -hmm. Um that happened to also teach a lot of the same concepts that we're trying to teach them in a really weird roundabout way through biblical narratives that weren't meant for them. Um, Groundbreaking. And, and in which they aren't like even represented. Like there's maybe one or two children who are like who are given names in the Bible, but otherwise they're like generic children. Right. Like, they don't even have names. So, so anyway, I, I just started seeking the best tools through which to teach them. And especially if, 
because I was in a context, in a church context where, you know, we really wanted everybody in the church to see the existence of God in all things, in all people, in all moments, like to be able to step back and see all of life as divine. Mm -hmm. And so, so when it came to kids, I thought, okay, well, let me help them to see that in their world. Like, let me use, let me use tools that reflect the world that they're living in so that they can see this. Um, let's not make it complicated for them. There's no sense in that. Like, let's give it to them straight. Let's say, Hey, you know, those moments when you're outside and you feel the sun on your back and it just feels so good. And you feel so warm, not just on your skin, but on the inside and you look around and everything just seems really beautiful in that moment. Like maybe that's a moment where you're seeing or feeling God. Yeah. Like why not just say it that way, you know, instead of some roundabout weird way of talking about ancient Jerusalem. Yeah. Make it relatable, Barbara. Yes. So, so I just started doing a lot of that. Just started looking into what are the best tools and really thinking about that in a way that wasn't restrictive to, to sort mm. of typical Christian fallbacks of, of using the Bible and veggie tales and whatever else, which are oh all my like God. veggie tales, veggie tales. Listen, major part of my childhood. Oh, same. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The one where they went into space. Oh, so good. That one and uh, the one where they did the giant bunny that's telling the story of uh, Bradshaw, yes. Meshach, and Abednego. Yes. Which, all, well, whatever. That is not a kid's story. No, you also. shouldn't be telling. It's like, they're going to throw uh, them into a... F- no, that's like, not like... Why? 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 Why do we say that to kids? That is so crazy. I will say the one like Madame Blueberry and yeah. materialism. That's a good story, though. Oh, for sure. Listen. Like... I remember the prayer too from that. We thank God for this day, for the sun in the sky, for my mom and my dad, for my piece of apple pie, for my home on the ground, for the love that's all around. That's why I say thanks every day. Because a grateful heart is a happy heart. I'm glad for what I have. And that's an easy place to start. For the love that we share because he listens to our prayers. And that's why I say thanks every day. Hallelujah. 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 That is so good. Now that's a lesson. It wasn't all bad. That's a lesson. And it wasn't something... Uh, dogmatic or scary uh-uh well and it, again like was hey let's look around at real life that's happening to us right now mm-hmm. and let's be grateful for those like let's name those things and be grateful like yes mm. oh, that's so good that's so yeah. good it is so okay question two now mm-hmm. so with shifting from being in like a, a christian church environment to uh into an into imaginarium yeah. and creating i saw you guys created like uh, a children's workshop i think it was um, or something a couple of weeks ago. How is it different than what you were doing before? Yeah, um, it's not a whole whole lot different. I mean, I um, so much of what and, and Melissa and I talked about this. So much of what we were doing at the church is what we just wanted to continue doing, honestly. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to keep stretching it um, beyond the bounds of Christianity while still like loving and respecting our Christian roots and still like drawing from those things that are beautiful and, and helpful and healthy from that. Um, but we wanted to keep pressing, pressing into a lot of the things we were doing. And so we're honestly, like we kind of walked away from that saying, let's keep doing those things. Um, cause they were good. So as far as kids go, um, I mean, a lot of what I've been doing with kids in Imaginarium, which having a full-time job makes it sort of difficult to, yeah. to uh, do girl. a lot. I know Oof. what you are saying. It's the struggle. Like I really want to pour into the things that like make my heart happy, but I have to work nine to five. So, so annoying. I don't know how to do that. And also just like be a nine and be a recluse when I need to be and just have downtime. So anyway, I need a lot of downtime to have enough energy to do those things. Yeah. There's just not time. So anyway, um, so a lot of what I've been doing with kids is – um, trying to create spaces for them that are for them. So like I started looking at the things that Melissa was doing for the adults or that the church capital C does for adults. And I said, why don't we just do that stuff for kids? So like book clubs, why don't we have book clubs for kids? Hmm. Um, like why don't we get kids in a room to really, to talk about these stories and talk about what they mean to them and where they see themselves in these stories. And like, nobody's doing that. Like in school, they're talking about Senate structure and like 
story arcs and you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. they're talking about the nuts and bolts of, of society of narrative and society. Yeah. When they're reading these books, but I'd love to just kind of hear how it sits with them and, and how they're feeling about it and what they're thinking about it. So, um, so I've been doing some book clubs with the kids. Um, we did a slime factory with them a while back. That sounds um, like so much fun. It was amazing. They loved it. It was such a good time. We literally, and a kid led it. So Melissa's daughter, Haven, um, I, I just sort of put it together and then she showed up and walked everybody through how to make slime. So she was our teacher for the day. So trying to create spaces that not only are like, oh, hey, an adult has constructed this space for you to come in and be be you. But I also want to create spaces where they have agency and they have um, a voice and how things go and um, the kinds of things that we do and talk about. And so that's been uh, easier said and dreamed of than done. But um, that's kind of my goal with, with Imaginarium and some of the other stuff I'm doing is to really create spaces where kids um feel empowered and really part of something and that they have a voice that they aren't just you know being drug around by their parents to adult things where they get babysat you know mm -hmm. i i really want them to feel like they're part of something and that they have a voice in this too um so yeah i'm trying to do do as much as i can and and there's so much more i can and want to do um, for them and with them, but, um, yeah. Does that answer your question? I can't, I feel like there's <laughs> another part to that question. No, I was just asking just how it was different and you named it. So. Oh yeah. Great. Yeah. I think it's interesting is, um, and also what I really like about you is, um, I like the fact that, um, you, like, you know, we've like, you and I have run into each other like a handful of times and like instantly, yeah. like there's like this beautiful kinship. <laughs> and I think that's something that you take with you even in at least what it sounds like is like you take that into this that same kind of kinship you feel yeah. with people who are around your same age is that you take that into the room through with uh when you're working with young people hmm. because um and this is something like I love kids I have no idea how to work with kids I'm more but <laughs> I, I worked in youth ministry for a while when I was in college oh yeah and see I can't I'm not that's not my forte that's not your that's not your not your, mm -hmm. not your chair Mm -mm. Um, I think what's really interesting though is, and you can tell me if you felt the same way, but like working with my kids in youth group is that even though like they would drive me pretty crazy because they like, <laughs> like, I'm just like, well, such and such is, you know, just like, I look at things uh, and I'm drama. just like, I'm just like, babe, it's not that big a deal. Like, right. I know you think it's the biggest deal in the world right now, but it's not. Um, but there'd be moments where like they would say things about God or just like how they interact with God yeah. that are so profound and so yep. real and they're not jaded and they're not cynical because light hasn't kicked them in the ass yet yeah um and it's like whoa like i i want that and it's like oh my gosh is that what childlike faith is is that what jesus was talking about Damn yeah it. yes and I, and i think too like kids aren't so yes they haven't been kicked in like life hasn't kicked them in the ass yet um some of them mm, i mean that is true certainly yeah. some kids have been already but um but i think because of that like their perception of the world is so much bigger than ours and it's partly just because of their stature like they are physically smaller so the world does seem a lot bigger to them than maybe it actually is but they're like the way that they see things is so unlimited compared to to us as adults um like they live in that world of imagination. And, and so then like ideas about, about God, just for example, like aren't restricted to like an old man in the sky. They get that idea from like, again, biblical language that's gender specific. Mm -hmm. um, and they get that idea from like images that adults create of our understanding of what God looks like. But they like, it's not, it's not that restrictive for them. Like they can see things in such a bigger way than we're able to. And that's, I mean, that's one of my, my big things is we have so much to learn from kids. Um, and not just because they, you know, remind us of our past selves or whatever, but because they like actually have things to say, like they have valid, beautiful things to say, um, that, 
that we can't get to psychologically because life has kicked us in the ass and we are jaded and we're mad at the world for all kinds of reasons and things just are the way that they are for a lot of adult like um I talked at her first gathering I did a whole um talk on play hmm. and imagination and um and I talked about uh the movie Mr. Mogorium's Wonder Emporium. Have you seen that? I don't think I have. Oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> um, I was gifted this movie by a parent at the church and she was like, you have to watch this movie. It's so great. And she was right. And so it's Natalie Portman and Dustin Hoffman. And I can't think of the actor's name that plays the accountant. But anyway, it's about this like magical toy shop. And uh Dustin Hoffman's character owns the toy shop and he's like 130 years old or something. Like he's this magical, like impossible age, right? Mm -hmm. Natalie Portman uh, works at the toy shop and has most of her life. And they hire an accountant to come in and kind of handle their finances. And he doesn't see all of the magic that happens. Like he can't see all the magic that happens in the toy shop. Hmm. And um, she, uh, Natalie Portman and he are in a conversation at one point and, um, she said she gets she's getting really frustrated with him and she says you're one of those just people this is these are just trees it's just a toy shop they're just toys he's just a man um and that's your problem is that you accept oh. things like you're accepting things just as they are wow. and that's why you can't experience any of this magic like isn't that beautiful yeah oh it's so good and so my whole like i use that in this in my talk at the first gathering to say like, this is the beauty of having kids in community is that uh, as adults, just like we become these accountants, right? We become just people. Like we look around and things just are the way that they are. We can't possibly imagine things in any other way. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the beauty of having kids in community is that they see things as a million other, a million different things that it could possibly be. Like they see a cardboard box and they get that it's just a box, but but they also see everything else it could possibly be. It could be a race car. It could be a spaceship. It could be a telephone booth. Like that's the beauty of imaginative play is that it helps us to get out of that just mindset where, where we just accept things mm -hmm. at the surface as they are, because that's when real change is created is when we can see things beyond how they exist currently. Um, that's the only way we can change things is if we can see them beyond what they are. And that's what I love about working with kids and having kids in community in general um, and just sharing space with kids, like just being with kids is always such a profound experience to me because um, I see it all the time. I see them seeing things beyond what they are. Um, and it's really beautiful. I, I feel like you have this insight and I'm going to, you know, talk from my, my Christian perspective. Yeah. Um, you all the verses of Jesus talking about childlike faith, only if you become mm -hmm. like a child can you enter the kingdom. Only <laughs> if you can see things beyond yeah. what they actually are can you see what I see. Can yeah. you see things like God sees them? Yeah. Dang. Right? Oh. <laughs> I'm having like, I'm literally tearing up right now. Oh, man. It's oh, that's so good. good. Yeah, I, I think there's... There's a lot of profundity in those words that we miss, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, because I, I think as adults, too, we see imagination and play as like we use the word childish, which I freaking hate because mm -hmm. it's it's always meant to be this like sort of um, uh, put down. Right. Like yeah. it's a um, why can't I think of the word um, a pejorative. It's yeah, it's pejorative. Um when really, gosh, like, I, I like the word childlike better if you want to describe something as being a thing mm -hmm. that a child would do. Um, but, yeah, we often look at play as as this frivolous kind of thing um, as opposed to sort of this mindset that we can have walking through life that allows us to see things in a completely different and new and fun way. Mm -hmm. Um and we just forget how to do that as adults and it yeah. sucks. <laughs> um, this is probably why we need to have some kids around. It's why we need to have some kids around. And, and I get that not everybody's a kid person, whatever. 
Um, but they have things to say and things to teach us if we're willing to listen and, and be patient. And <laughs> it takes right. a lot of patience to, right, right, to listen right. and learn from kids. But, man, it's it's they've so got, necessary, I think. They've got the gold there. They got the gold. Mm-hmm. That's right. I've enjoyed our conversation so I've much. I've so enjoyed it. Thank you so uh, much for asking me to do this. Man, this is so great. Yeah. You're a lovely, lovely human. Do you have a favorite children's mm-hmm. book, by the way? Just curious. A favorite children's book. Oh, man, I have a lot. Um, I'll give you a few. Mm-hmm. There's um, – so if you want really great, um, like, Christian-oriented or, like, religious-oriented um, books, there's a book called God in Between um, mm. that is – really really beautiful um i actually read it when i did a sermon i did like a short sermon at the church and i read that book to the kids and it's just oh my gosh um really really beautiful and um and then sandy eisenberg sasso she's a rabbi um and really any of her stuff is great um i also love the book the gruffalo um which is just a funny like it's not anything profound. It's just really cute and fun. Um, I also love uh, The Dot, which is just a really beautiful story about believing in yourself and mm-hmm. um, finding what you're good at and what you love and going for it. And I love the book Wave by Susie Lee, which has no words in it at all, and it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's just a girl playing with waves, which is mm-hmm. speaks to me in so many ways. My favorite <laughs> children's book, which rocked my world and – changed how I approach relationships of any kind mm-hmm. for forever is mm-hmm. the missing piece meets the big O by Shel Silverstein. Um, um, I haven't read that and I don't know what is wrong with me. Um, let me tell you what, if you, as you're reading it, it is just, I'm going to just like, give you a spoiler alert right now, but like there is, so there's this triangle shaped piece and it's just mm-hmm. sitting there and he's trying to fit into all these other Pac-Man shaped pieces. Oh. And, one day it finds one that it fits into, but then like it grows. And then the Pac-Man piece looks at the, the missing piece and says, I didn't expect for you to grow. And the missing piece says, I didn't expect to grow either. And then it Ugh. went off by itself until one day this, this big O comes along and the missing piece looks at the big O and says, oh my gosh, like you're the one I've been waiting for. And, he, and the big O says, you can't roll with me. It's like, you have to roll on your own because like I'm going through the world. And the missing mm-hmm. piece says, like, I have all these sides and sharp edges. Like, I can't do that. And then the mis- the big O says, have you ever tried? Ugh. And so the, the missing piece starts picking itself up and flopping over until mm-hmm. its edges starts rolling away and it becomes its own shape, its own little O. And then it rolls on beside the big O and they go through life rolling together in the same direction. I'm just like, that is relationship at its That's best. That's incredible. Uh, see oh i'll also i'll also throw out wonder to do non-picture books um i read that with our book the kid book club mm-hmm. at imaginarium and a lot of people have seen the movie i know but the book is i mean i just boohoo through the whole thing it's mm-hmm. beautiful 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 but yeah i also a recommendation for adults read more children's literature mm-hmm. because it's real good and like most of it is incredibly empowering. Um, and yeah, like just so encouraging and lovely uh, and heartwarming. And it's, man, it's good stuff. So good. That was my conversation with my friend, Anna Skates. You can connect with Anna's works all over the place, like at AnnaSkates.com, all over social media at Anna underscore Skates. And uh, if you want to get in touch with her dope community, Imaginarium, you can find them online at Imaginarium.life. That's dot L-I-F-E dot life. Imaginarium life. It's dope. They're wonderful. I love you. Thanks for being on the podcast, Anna. I love you, girl. Bye. Mwah. As per usual, a huge thank you to my supporters on Patreon. If you don't know what Patreon is, it's a really great way for you to get back to creatives in your life. Um, People like podcasters, YouTubers, bloggers, um, activists maybe, maybe people who work at the intersection of LGBT identity and Christian faith. I don't know. 
I'm talking about myself, if you didn't get that. Um, yeah, but this podcast is supported by listeners like you. Every single month, people are giving as little as $1, $2, $5 to help make this program a lot easier for me to create. Because the more support I get in content creation, the less time I have to spend at a regular everyday job. So if you're interested in helping create more content that focuses on topics like this, I would love for you to go over to patreon.com slash the Kevin Garcia and learn more about what it means to be a sustaining partner. So I'll see you over there. All right. I think that about wraps everything up here. Uh, you can find me on all the social medias at the Kevin Garcia on the blog, the Kevin And yeah, I, uh, I really loved being with you today. Um, I've been going through a really, really rough season. So getting to do my work and hang out with y'all, even if it's just for an hour in your ears, is so good for me to continue to do. So thanks for listening. Go see your therapist. Call somebody that you love. Um, do the hard thing you don't want to do yet. Um, kiss somebody on the mouth or don't. Give them a big hug or don't. You know, whatever's good for you. Find What I'm basically trying to say is like find, a, find, what, find out what your needs are and fill them. And... Uh, <laughs> Okay, I'm going to stop talking. I love you. I will talk to you next week. This has been another episode of A Tiny Revolution. I'm Kevin Garcia, and talk soon. Okay, bye.